This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Roslyn Alba Cobarubius, and she is a Filipina-American serial entrepreneur who has helped launch, market, and sell various companies. She has produced over 500 concerts and editorial programs with artists like Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, John Legend, Rihanna, Jay-Z, and more. She's previously been named to Billboard Magazine's 30 Under 30, The Source Magazine's Power 30, spent several years working for MySpace, and has featured in media outlets like Forbes, Finsmas, LA Times, LA Weekly, and Asian Journal. Rosalind, welcome to the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here. I love everybody that you guys feature, so it's an honor to be on this platform. Definitely. Amazing introduction. You want to learn more about who you are? What was your upbringing like? My upbringing, I mean, it's it's a typical Asian-American household. You know, my mom came from the Philippines when she was 22. She met my father here in the States. And, you know, really, at first she was working as a dietitian in the hospitals, but then she became an entrepreneur. She became a car salesman. And then she became an insurance agent starting her own franchise of farmer's insurance for over 25 years. Mm -hmm. So she was a single mother raising four of us in one household. I was the third and she really wanted us to, to have, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, mostly because, you know, compared to where she was growing up, she just wanted stability for us. I didn't realize that until I got older that that's why they're so critical of what they want you to do until I went to the Philippines. But mm-hmm. yeah, I lived in a household where it was very like, Oh, you got an A that's cute. <laughs> that's, why not the A plus, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but very, it was very American and very ethnic at the same time. So yeah. She would cook Filipino food every single night, but we didn't speak the Gallag or our wow. native language in the household. Um, you she made that in LA or which cities you grew up in? I grew up in the best city in the world called Walnut, California, in, hey. in between <laughs> West Covina and Diamond Bar. So it's this yeah. lovely utopia <laughs> called Walnut. For you guys that don't know, Walnut is a suburb in LA. Yeah. It's awesome over there. Great Asian food, great culture, great schools. Yeah. I, 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 I joke that I, I spent so much time trying to get out and now I'm just spending my time trying to get back. Because <laughs> I live in downtown LA mostly because of work, but I would love yeah. to just re- relax. Yeah, walk us through your journey too. Like how, like how did you get started into the entertainment industry? Like mm-hmm. how did you how did you get into MySpace? That itself is a crazy story. Like yeah. we want to hear yeah. more. I mean, we'll, we'll try to do a short story long or, or long story short. So when I was in elementary school, my sisters were very into you know, makeup and clothes. And I was really into hip hop and music and basketball. There was four girls. So one of us had to be the boy and that was me. So in elementary school, I would bring home 
uh, bring recordings of the radio, the top 10 countdown and play to my classmates at lunch. Like I knew what was going on, right? I'm like, oh, listen to this song. They're like, I like this song, but I knew it was in the top 10 countdown. So they would like it. Well, that passion for like just watching award shows, watching MTV, Yo MTV Raps, BET, I just fell in love with music and I fell in love with basketball. And that was really what I consumed my time with. I was really an introvert. And so I spent, you know, majority of my um, elementary school and junior high involved in music until I started, you know, really DJing, you know, when I got records and, and turntables and I started creating these, again, these mixed tapes or these recorded mixes for my high school classmates. And then I became the DJ at lunch or the dances. Wow. So that was always a passion. That's what I always wanted to do, but I, I never thought it could be a career. Right. Mm-hmm. So on the other side, I had um, I was very into politics and I thought I was going to be the next mayor of Walnut. Uh, <laughs> <and then laughs> it's still a goal. It's still a goal. So still possible. Well, for, me in, that way. Well, for me in 2040, my, my mom, you know, she was really adamant on, on choosing a career that would be able to stabilize herself to be able to take, take care of the family. Mm-hmm. So that's when I enrolled into political science at UCI. I went to school there for the, the first semester. And my, my grades were okay, but I, I found myself always ditching class. You know, mm-hmm. I found myself like, oh, wait, no, wait, no one's, no one's taking attendance. Like, I don't have to go. Like, <laughs> I'm good. Like, I, I hated it, you know, and I, I talked to a guidance counselor and I was like, I don't know what to do because my mom really wants me to do this, but I, I don't like it. And she's like, well, what do you do? On the weekends, I go to hip hop clubs I go to the record shops and you know um I love listening to music and she's like well you know forget about what your parents think forget about what your your family thinks or your friends and if you had all the money in the world what would you be doing right now I was like I'd be doing music and she's Uh like well that's where your passion and your purpose is so so figure that out that that summer of my first year in college I went home and then they had an audition to be a VJ at this music television network. And I was so excited. I was like, this is my calling. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the audition probably, you know, from Walnut to, to LA or to Hollywood is like a good hour. And then I stood in line for like maybe seven hours and I made it to the top 10. But then the casting agent said, you know, how tall are you? And I said, well, mm-hmm. I'm 4'11 on a good day. <laughs> heels, <laughs> Filipino. And she, said, she laughed and she said, you know, how are you going to do red carpets? How are you going to do that stuff? She's like, she's like, she's like, you're too short. You'll never be on TV, but you know, you have, uh-huh. a, you have a personality. So try radio. And I remember leaving the audition and I, I felt stupid. I was like, man, why did I even think that you could pursue your own passion? You know? And I was like crying. And then there's two hour traffic back from LA to Walnut. <laughs> right? <in> the woods. <laughs> and then I started repeating what she said. She said, you should try radio. You should try radio. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, Maybe that's my gateway. So then I started researching. There was no YouTube or Google at the time. So I started researching of where you could get a radio show near where I lived, which was Walnut, California. And then there's this amazing college called Mount San Antonio Junior College that had a radio station with a one-mile radius called KSAC 90.1 FM. And I went to the radio station. I said, I really want a radio show. I think this is what I'm going to do in this summer. And, you know, I want to find out if this is my calling. And they told me you had to take radio broadcasting classes. Mm-hmm. And so I enrolled into radio broadcasting that summer and I loved it. I, 
I didn't want to leave class. I stayed after and was like asking my professor questions, et cetera. And then I wound up getting the radio show. And then I, I, I after that, I decided to t- tell my mom that I wanted to pursue music instead of law and go from a UC to a JC. Mm-hmm. I broke her heart. <laughs> she said, fine, but you have to pay for it. And I said, oh no, I'm going to do that. So I went back to my old high school job working, selling shoes at the West Covina Mall at the Athletes mm-hmm. Foot. I would um, go to class. I would uh, do the radio show at night. I would use the money that I would make at the Athletes Foot to create flyers for my radio show. Then I would drive to all these hip hop shows to meet artists like the Black IPs or Jurassic Five and then get them on this tiny Mount Sac radio station, but I was so tired, but I loved every minute of it. And I was broke, broker than broke, but I just (laughs) felt like I was, I was doing something, you know? And so that's what really kicked it off. You know, from there, I moved the, the radio show to Cal State Fullerton. We started getting bigger artists and bigger guests. And then I started interning at different places and working for free at Radio Disney at Mm -hmm. Radio Express. And then I got, you know, my first job at as an on-air uh, programmer at the first online radio station, which led me to becoming the director of marketing for this networking organization. Mm-hmm. It was called the National Association of Record Industry Professionals. So what our job used to be is exactly what I told you. It's very similar to Asian Hustle Network. That's why I fell in love with, with what you guys do. We would get put together workshops, panels, networking breakfasts, and just try to get everybody in the music industry to talk to one another and to like, you know, specifically professionals, because you also have the people that are beginning, but my job was to get to try to get the professionals in the room. Mm -hmm. Well, at one of those conferences or panels, I met Crystal Wolf, who is one of the five co-founders of myspace.com. And so a lot of music startup companies would come to these networking <laughs> events, like how, how entrepreneurs come to your events. And you told me the idea and I was like, it's like, you guys remember Friendster? Yeah, there was Friendster, Asian yeah. Avenue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is genius. I can promote my radio show on myspace.com. That's all that my goal was to have this big radio show, me as a DJ, when I came to myspace.com. I didn't mm-hmm. know it would become the number one website in the world with 200 million users. You know, the goal was just Mm -hmm. to get the radio show promoted on there and it would be faster because I wouldn't have to pay for flyers. I wouldn't have to drive around everywhere. I could just direct message everybody. So he asked me to put together a list of marketing strategies that I use to help fill the networking events. Mm-hmm. And part of those things was, was getting entertainment. And, you know, I had developed all these relationships from the radio show over the years that I was throwing launch party for the Black Eyed Peas Apple song. It was his first song at the Gala because I helped put together the music video mm-hmm. with director Patricio Janelsa, the Olympia movie. And we were having a celebration party. I said, well, this could be a myspace.com party. You need to have parties or events with artists and then the fans will want to be a part of it and they'll need a MySpace profile to get in. And that became mm-hmm. the first like MySpace.com party. And so then I left the, the networking organization. She was sad, <laughs> but I, I started as the first person in artist relations at MySpace.com. There's probably about 15 people there. And, and, and then, and then it started gradually growing from there. So I started first by getting the artists involved because once we had the artists on, then we got their fan bases. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that before because they were just trying to get to everybody and anywhere. They were doing like bikini contests and all these weird <laughs> like marketing strategies that <laughs> didn't really work. But once we applied music to it, it, it definitely changed a path. And I wound up being there for, for 10 years, That's traveled awesome. around the world launching it. Yeah. That's awesome. And your story has so many good nuggets to it. Mm-hmm. It's identifying 
your passion early on. You know, like not a lot of people have this luxury. A lot of us, I realize in the Asian community, find our passion after, after college, like after we do what we're supposed to do. And the reason how we find our passion is we go through a life crisis, you know, like, Oh my God, I'm not happy in my corporate job. Yeah. I'm, I'm meant to do more than this. And you find your passion out the hard way. The fact that your mom has been so open with about that, which you at a, such a young age, it's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of credit to her yeah. for, for enabling to do something like that. Yeah. I just want to point out a couple of things. Like, first of all, the counselor who told you to, you know, don't, you don't have to listen to your parents. You don't have to listen to anyone else. Just follow your dreams. Like it's so rare to find a counselor like that. I don't that. need counselor like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say like, like props to that counselor like I feel you know like what? every time I've been giving these talks like <laughs> everyone asked me that and I want to find her her name is Abby. <laughs> I don't know how to find her because it, but she was also you know AAPI so she mm-hmm. kind of got it it's not that I was yeah. going in there calm I was going yeah. there in tears like <laughs> I hate yeah. my life you know? she's she was going through the same thing she's like mm-hmm. I've been there before and I'm going to tell you right now the path you're going to take you're going to figure it out and I was like I'm so thankful for that because every time I do speak at a college I get nervous because I know there's a lot of college students that feel the same way and I exactly I get I get scared when they write me they're like I talked to my mom and I told her (laughs) I'm like no no okay first like think about it and what are you going to do but it's so true you never really get that advice and so now after this like I'm 40 right Mm -hmm. when I speak at college or these events I realize that's my purpose now is to be that person to say what the guidance person told me because had I not, you know, what had, what had have have happened. And specifically to the, to the Asian and, and Filipino communities, because we grow up so much and we don't really realize why our parents are telling us this way. We think they're against us when they really love us. And so I, 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 I think that whole journey, even my music career journey, the, the reason why I got to work with a Justin Bieber or Drake is so when I couldn't go to the school and I show a picture with me and Justin Bieber or Drake, they'll pay attention. Mm-hmm. Cause if I would talk before and there's no picture, they're like, ah, oh, who's this person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow your dreams, whatever. You know? <laughs> so I think all of it was a part of the, the, yeah. the grand circle. of um, Yeah. That's amazing. I also wanted to point out, you know, you mentioned that you were under five, feet and I I'm also under five feet so I love how you were able to like just because someone said no you can't do red carpet like how are you going to do that you didn't give up after that you know and you took that and you actually pivoted and tried to seek for other opportunities and just like hearing you tell your story about you hustling you know you working your nine to five and using your income to pay for you know printing out flyers and everything like that you're just like seeking out opportunities for yourself and I really love that about you. Yeah, yeah, there's there's two things about that, you know. I I wish I didn't take that no so literal, and I tell that mm-hmm. to everybody now because yeah. when I was at MySpace, I wound up posting the Grammys red carpet for CBS, and they gave me a box to stand on, and yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, everyone commented, and, and Justin Bieber and everybody was like, and then like you look at Ellen DeGeneres or Oprah, yeah. you know, it's really not. It could have been that casting agent's preference. Yeah. And then, and then too, yeah, it's to, 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 to definitely pivot. Mm-hmm. And for some reason we shame people mm-hmm. when they have a side hustle. Yeah. You know, um, and I want to, I want to like diminish that fact is like, no, we're, we're Asian. We, we get shit done. That's why yeah. we can do multiple things and it's okay. It's okay to have another 
doing something else to, to pursue your passion. And you could still have something full time. If you're a nurse, be a nurse. But if you love singing, still join the choir on the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely believe in that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely yeah. love that a lot. I mean, side hustle, I feel like shouldn't be shamed. It's quite normalized nowadays. Mm-hmm. And we actually encourage side hustling a lot in the Asian hustle network mm-hmm. because you can never really depend on one income. You yeah. need multiple streets. Oh, yeah, I know. I wish they told us that when we were younger. Yeah, have multiple. <laughs> we knew that. Yeah, so <laughs> they tell you to get a job and work there for fifty years and go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, definitely a different generation from our parents. <laughs> Another really good thing I love from your story is your willingness to work hard in a, in a new industry without pay or anything. You know, you're just trying to gain experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people out there right now feel like, you know, they only want to do something to get paid for it. They only, only want to pursue the passion, they get paid for it. But a lot of things that you perceive right off the beginning with no experience, most of the time, you're not going to get an opportunity to get paid. Mm-hmm. So, but, but then everything you learn then creates a building block and a foundation for you down the line. So I really appreciate that part of your story a lot because that's the true hustle. And that's the hustle in the Asian Hustle Network. So I love that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I learned early on because I'm from Walnut, California. Mm-hmm. Like, who's in entertainment there? Mm-hmm. Aside from, I think they said Gerardo Group there. But like, to get people to get onto the radio show, I had to hustle and go out to LA and then bring them down or have them call by the phone. And those relationships always led me to another relationship. And then I worked for a networking organization, right? And a lot of people were just going in there with their hustle. So that taught yeah. me early on to just build a relationship, even if it's volunteering once for an event, the relationship with that person you work for could change. And it was always, the way that I got my job was always somebody recommending me. My internship would be over, they would be sad or, and they felt bad, they didn't have a job for me, so they would call somebody and then I got my next job, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think the most challenging part of that was talking to my mom and like, I got, you know, Radio Disney job. That, okay, how much are you getting paid? Well, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) I will get $8 after I do the street team, you know, so Uh you just have to do it for yourself and know what you're doing and why, because you'll always try to seek validation from other people, but only yourself can really know what you're doing and why you're, why you're doing it. But definitely the building relationships is important. And you guys know that you create. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point. (laughs) Build that relationship focus on your passion and goals Mm -hmm. because money will come later as like as you're doing better and better like money will just come just pursue your passion goals first absolutely and so what was your experience like at myspace and while you were meeting all of these celebrities like justin bieber and jay-z what was going through your mind at that time like did you feel like you were nervous or did were you actually like really comfortable in that stage already so I was comfortable around artists because I already had the radio show and I was producing concerts. That's one thing I forgot to say in between when I got the networking job. But but I, I think it's equivalent to people that are working at Instagram or Netflix right now. When you're in the middle of it and you're the biggest company in the world or Google, you don't know because you're working so hard every day and you don't realize what's happening around you. You get more phone calls. People are asking for their MySpace passwords or their girlfriend's password. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. But you have a job and your job is to try to get as many people to utilize the platform and try to help artists get to that next level. 
So when I'm meeting Justin Bieber, he's not Justin Bieber yet. He's coming to the office with his mom and he's playing basketball and he's there for three hours and we're trying to get him to leave. Like, or Drake, <laughs> wow. he's like uploading his mixtapes for free in Canada. And we just see this kid getting millions of plays. And when you research him, he's just this actor from Canada mm-hmm. on Degrassi. Like, so the, it was really their early stages. Um, yeah. So they were, they were new artists and they were easier to work with. It was, it was kind of fresh. I love that feeling of finding somebody and then, you know, with Bieber, we went from doing his first live stream in, in my office to then, you know, interviewing him on the red carpet or Drake. Mm-hmm. It was him giving away his mixtapes for free. I featured him on the homepage of MySpace and then making him BET Rookie of the Year. Like whenever they were able to do things off of MySpace was awesome because mm-hmm. they're in the real world now and like they're actually getting credibility. Yeah, when it got nervous was when it was like childhood icons, like a, like a Jay-Z or a Janet um, Jackson. Yeah. You know, to this day, I, I asked Jay-Z for a photo. I said, hey, Jay, can, we, can I take a photo? And he stands 10 seconds dead, just looking at me. And then he walks away and I'm like, wait, what, what, the, what was that? He's like, but he's, Jay-Z, Jay-Z's never going to be like, yeah, come take a photo. That was your moment to take a photo. You didn't take the photo. He's going to walk away. <laughs> oh, my oh, Lord. So there's always been a couple of moments like that, you know, where it's so hard. I can't even, you know, a lot of artists, it happens that way. There's just Mm -hmm. some people, their aura just like makes you nervous, like a Nicki Minaj or a Rihanna. Like, I can't say anything other than, hey, did you need water? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's Rihanna, you know, even as a new artist, she had that vibe about her. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely cherish those moments, but it was always exciting meeting somebody from our own AAPI community. Like when Bruno Mars first came to the office, you know, mm-hmm. Far East Movement when they were starting out, mm-hmm. they were they were guests on my little college radio show, and then now they have a multi-platinum single like on the radio. Like those moments were just probably my favorite, and especially when it came mm-hmm. to Asia, I was just like, ah, homepage, email blast. <laughs> what else can we do? We're gonna help you blow up because you need to, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Out of curious, out of curiosity, like you know, you're doing such high level stuff. Do you practice any sort of affirmation or any sort of meditation when you're at home? How do you deal with all these constant, I don't know, quote unquote, pressure or stress that comes your way? Like, do you have it any advice for Today is a really stressful day, to be honest. I still have to do it. I, I probably ten minutes before we got on our call, and I think that's why I joined the call early, so I can. Inhale and exhale. I, I, I didn't realize meditation is, 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 is so much needed, but because I always have a hundred thoughts in my way and I have so much responsibility that if I don't take the time to just calm it down, it'll make, it'll make me nervous, you know, until yeah. this day. I still study. Well, now I am for sure is the law of attraction and manifestation. Looking back at my career, I didn't realize how much I manifested and how much I, I did. And once I realized that, I want to look back and trace it. And then how can I tell other people this, you know, mm-hmm. especially at a young age, but I definitely do, do manifestation. I, I, I want to predict, you know, the, the, what's going to happen in five to 10 years. And it gets kind of scary because it, all of it has mostly happened. Scary in a good way, you know? There are always bumps along the road, but yeah, for sure. And and being, again, 411, that comment still sticks with me. Uh-huh. Even as a leader at MySpace.com, I was, you know, the head of artist relations, but I would walk into a room and the, the table is there and I would sit on the side because I would feel like I'm just this 411 Filipino, mm-hmm. you know, and not really take my leadership into 
to, to that because I, cause I felt, cause how I looked or when I walked into the room, they thought I was an intern until I talked, you know? So <laughs> I, I definitely work on manifestation on building confidence on, you know, overcoming anxiety until this day. And I think it's something that we'll always deal with, especially mm-hmm. as we grow and grow with our goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's super powerful hearing that from you too, because a lot of people out there feel like they're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're achieving such high level success, you're like, am I the only one that feels this way? Am I, am I just being weak? Am I being insecure? Like what's wrong with me? And you speaking up about those sheds light on all these people who are struggling. And we thank you a lot for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going through a manifestation process right now too. And I I have to say like, it works wonders. I think a lot of people feel like, Oh, it doesn't do anything. You know, what is the point of it? But once you start it and once you start looking back and seeing how much you've changed, you realize that you actually speak that stuff into existence. Right. And once you start repeating it to yourself and, you know, do affirmation, do manifestations and all of that, you have to start believing it. And once you believe it, you'll actually start doing the actions that you need to do to, to get you to that place that you, where you want to go. Exactly. In layman's terms, you know, when I try to explain it to younger people, it's like, you know, when you're, when you wake up in the morning and you want breakfast, right? You think about what you want to eat. You order from the app or you cook it and then the food is there. Mm-hmm. Like that whole process of you thinking about it, having a good feeling about it to you eating it, it was manifestation <laughs> in that literal sense. Sometimes the postmate delivery doesn't come and you have to order. But, but just that in, a, in general, if you think about it, I mean, you have to know what you want before it, it comes right. to you and right. disappears. Some people think manifestation is, oh, I think about it and it's going to pop up in front of me. No, the law of attraction means action. You you know what you want, but you have to take the action to get there and you have to feel good on the way there. Otherwise, you know, you you won't manifest it itself. I'm I'm still learning till this day. And again, a lot of it has been helpful by just looking back. And I think for the same for you, if you think about when you guys started H and to what it is now and like being all over the world, like you've, you've done all of this, but you haven't realized you're manifesting it, but now it's going to be even faster because you know how to, to, how to expedite it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about third floor network, um, the marketing agency and the video production company that you started. Um, you know, we'd love to know what was the inspiration behind that and what was that journey like? So when, when MySpace um, started going through it, its trials, because they started build, trying to build an old website on top of an old website, right? So new, new platforms come along, and it's always great to be second. So there's Facebook, there's YouTube, there's Twitter. I'm getting calls from these companies, including um, the music companies, whether it's Pandora, Spotify, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And these job offers were coming in, and I started thinking about, well, then I'm just going to work for this company. They're going to give me a salary and then, you know, sell the company and then be, be done with me. And then now I have to go promote Spotify instead of MySpace. Like, oh, there's it's made all these artists join MySpace. We had millions uh-huh. of So, um, you know, Justin Timberlake, he came on as an investor in the second wave of the new MySpace. And he had a best friend that worked in the office. His name was Kenna. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about potentially leaving for one of these big music companies and I was crying and I said, you know, this is my, my baby. I've been here for so long and um, I feel bad. The team's going to feel sad if I, if I go. And he looked at me, he's like, do you own this company? (laughs) 
I said, no. He's like, then why are you crying? Get, get the F out, you know? And I was like, you're right. And so before I took a job at another company, um, I was like, I, wanna, I just want to create something of my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I like all these relationships are built and, you know, I wanted to get into video production and to artist relations and publicity and stuff like that. Um, and third floor radio was the name of my radio, my radio show. So I called it third floor network is really amplifying the power of the network for people to help one another. And I wasn't getting paid for every little thing that I did. You know, I might do publicity free for this one artist and then I might produce this music video and get charged for this, but it, mm. And it felt good again, you know, like you go through these phases and I started remembering the counselor of like, why are you doing the things that you do? And that was, I just really love networking, you know, and I eventually changed it to Roz Marketing because I think with Third Floor Network, people didn't really associate who it was and what it was. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, that, that came to a a later iteration, but yeah, I, I was there um, for a couple of years before. I was approached by an old myspace.com employee that was a colleague of mine and said they were looking for a CEO for this company to help uh, uh, closing of, of their, their um, initial funding. Mm-hmm. And it was a music company initially. And that was when my, my the, the idea of Divio came because I helped create the name, my Divio, which is my discovery video profile. And they said, uh, just for a couple of years, I'll help build it. And then we were going to, you know, potentially um, sell it or, uh, or, or create something big. And that's when I, mm-hmm. I worked on that for a couple of years before we had sold it in, in 2016. Wow. And so my whole time at Third Floor Network was just strictly focused on, on creating my Divio. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. I love how you um, rebranded it to Roz because I, Brian and I always talk about how personal branding is so important and for you to find the opportunity to kind of do that rebrand and really make sure that your customers or your clients are connected with who you are and what your brand is. It's, it's very important. Yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it's an advertiser term for run of site. So, you know, Rod, it's a, it's a, it's like an acronym, mm-hmm. but it was really like, like, okay, we need a videographer. Who do we call? let's call Roz. You know, we need yeah. a DJ. Let's call Roz. And that's yeah. really what it was. Yeah. And it was commission based. Yeah. yeah. And it's also the, the first part of your name. So yeah. that's the connection that I made to it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, I learned it from Karen Sybil too. I don't know if you know Karen Sybil, but, and Oprah, I mean, she has, she's on the cover of her magazine every month, you know, yeah. <laughs> the own network, you know, she's not like, coming up with these brand new she knows the power of her brand and so yeah. that's that that was the inspiration behind that yeah, yeah love that what kind of challenges did you face as as you're doing this you know as a founder as a ceo like what challenges were you facing on a daily basis because you love you like to like to elaborate those type of stories too because you know the entrepreneur, entrepreneur journey is extremely difficult you know, you have to look yourself deep in the mirror every morning. You're like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> sure. I mean, the first part when Third Floor Network, there, there's different phases of my entrepreneurship. So the first one was when I went on by myself and I had savings and it was my savings that what I was using, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had zero team, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't think of like insurance and payroll and all of those different things that come with it and LLCs, like <laughs> all those little things and like paying a CPA. I like, you don't, you don't think about when you first launch your, the second phase is when I became, um, you know, I asked to be CMO and not CEO. And I asked to be co-founder because they were just going to make me the CMO. But I was like, no, 
I need to be a co-founder. I wasn't a co-founder of MySpace and I helped launch it and they sold twice, 580 million and then 35 million. Um, so then, so then they made me co-founder and, um, we were so excited because now we had, we had funding. We had $4 million in funding. Yeah. So there's the third floor network with me that was like working from my apartment and my computer. <clears throat> I had a PO box as my address. <laughs> now we have funding. So we're getting the $12,000 a month office that is a sky rise. And we're getting <laughs> all these fancy desks and this conference room just so I could bring my mom so she could see the conference room, you know, in Beverly Hills. So yeah. just for all entrepreneurs, I think that that's what there, there's twofold. There's number one, we don't predict how much we're going to use of our own savings. And we don't really mm -hmm. have an ROI, like a P and L. I didn't know what a P and L was. I was like, okay. I thought you just, and then, and then when you work for yourself, it's harder for people to pay you. Right. Because you don't have an accountant. You just have yourself mm -hmm. trying to ask somebody else mm -hmm. to pay for you. It's like asking a friend when they owe you money, right? <laughs> but when you have an accountant and you have a team and they know that you're a business, it's easier to say, no, you owe me 10 grand for this project. But if it's right. you by yourself, they're like, oh, we owe you 10 grand. What's wrong? You, you just need the money. Are you having hard times? No, but I, I did the exactly project. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of freelance people feel that way, whether you're a right. photographer or you're like a, even um, a restaurant or any, anytime you're in a, in a, in a, a position where you own it, people mm -hmm. wait to pay you as much as possible. And so you have to have that flexibility in your mm -hmm. income to be able to, to, to withhold you from month to month. Um, and then the, the second part, you know, when we created my Divya was just the overspending of like mm -hmm. the, getting like the big, I don't know, the fanciest fax. And we didn't even fax people. We just had a fax machine, <laughs> a coffee machine, like all of this, all of this stuff that, um, I think once you get funding as well, you, 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 you don't think about what's going out and how, what, what's coming in. Now that I work for a company, CBN where every dollar matters, whatever you're spending, we mm -hmm. have to know how it's coming back. And I've, I've learned that, like even the $5 that you're spending to buy somebody a coffee, like how are mm -hmm. you making that back? Right. So yeah. when we launched that second company, we spent a lot, a lot of mm -hmm. money um, wasted on things like an office. Like now I would have just used a co-working space. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I wouldn't have spent all that money on that high, high view because what, you know? And, mm -hmm. I think even during those times, we all bought new cars. We all like, you know, it, it, <clears throat> in COVID, I think that's the one thing that you, that made us realize everything. Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, being anxious and being honest about this. There's two things. Number one, like the nice car that you have, the $10,000 bag you have, you can't even use it. You know, and it feels silly now, right? To drive around in your Lamborghini while people are like losing their jobs and you're holding this like whatever <laughs> this Birkin bag and you're walking by homeless people on the street, you know, like one bag would feed like ten families in the Philippines. So there's that. And then there's second of like, especially in entertainment during COVID, people started second guessing themselves because these artists, these DJs would travel the world, they would step on stage, get a shot of dopamine from the people that they were entertaining, but now they're stuck at home. Mm -hmm. 
And so they're like depressed and they're anxious and they're second guessing. Even myself, I was like, maybe my mom was right. Like I should have gone into law or nursing or something because they're so valuable in this world. Like what am I doing? So I, 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 I think, um, you know, I, I didn't mean to stray too far from the question, but I think that this COVID time made us really realize what's important. Mm-hmm. And then now in business, it's even more bottom line for those entrepreneurs. It's not about what office you're going to get. It's like, how are you going to survive? You know, a lot of restaurants had to close down a lot of clothing lines, you know, so, um, you know, and people are getting more into the service side of the industry, but I I, I think those are the the, the main things any, any entrepreneur will, will will face is, um, you know, not having the right team also Mm -hmm. as, you know, trusting the wrong people. Yeah. Not having things written down on legal paper. You think that you're best friends or that you're close, but if you don't have stuff written down and when it comes to things like selling your company, you know, there's there's things that are gonna are gonna happen and, and people, you know, won't remember that friendship, but they'll just care mm-hmm. more about their greed. So yeah, there's 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 I could go on for days. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> an entrepreneur. <laughs> love it. Love it. I love the transformation. And you know, you've obviously learned so much throughout your whole journey. And just seeing you become so successful is just amazing. And what would you say would be your goals in the next, let's say, five to ten years? So um, in 2016. Um, after we sold my Divio, I was kind of going through that time where I needed, I needed Debbie, my guidance counselor again, because like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, What am I going to do that's meaningful? And I started thinking about how she said, um, you know, what do you love? If you had all the money in the world, what would you do and want to wake up every morning Mm -hmm. um, doing? Because that's where your purpose and your passion lies. And I went through all these things in my career, just chasing what I thought was my passion and my purpose. And then I got a call from Apple's team of of the Black Eyed Peas, him, Will I Am, Joe Coy, Cassie, Leanne V, and executives from Netflix, Google, and YouTube were being flown to the Philippines with from the Philippines Tourism Board on an influencer executive tour of the Philippines. They wanted us to promote the Philippines as a tourist destination so that we can help enrich the culture that lives there. We're still a third world country, but we have some of the most beautiful resources. Mm-hmm. And so I had never been to the Philippines. I'm 36 years old. I don't speak the language. You know, I'm like, I'm American. And when I walk into my corporate office, I don't want them to see that I'm Filipino. I don't want them to see that I'm 4'11 because that doesn't always work in the corporate world. People will get promoted above you if they start thinking that you're Asian or Filipino first. They'll think that you're not a leader. So I grew up hiding that. But when we went to the Philippines and the first thing that we saw as soon as we got off the airplane was extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. You know, you're driving through the streets and you're seeing people that look exactly like you, that look like your nieces and nephews, and they're eating from the trash can, mm-hmm. you know? And then we drove to, to, the, to, to different parts. Apple showed us the schools he built in the Philippines with Google. And then he took us to the beautiful islands of Boracay or Palawan. And then again, you see little kids that are selling trinkets and they work for one person right. and they don't even make the money that one person is, is, is taking all the money. Mm-hmm. But during the, that journey, when we we're walking through that whole time, everybody recognized Apple because Apple is the biggest Filipino in the world after or alongside Manny Pacquiao and Joe Coy was with us, but he was he was a new comedian at the time. People would light up when they would see him. You know, we didn't have to deal with traffic because TSA and the cops would like spread out the, the, the streets. There were grandmothers that were 95 years old. There was five year 
five year five little five year old little boys that would stop and they would sing Black Eyed Peas songs. And then I realized what I wanted to do with my 20 years of entertainment experience is to help create more apples mm-hmm. so that anybody throughout the world, you know, can feel that, especially for our community. You know, I could only name Bruno Mars, Ill Mind, and Apple as the three, but far east movement for Asians that I had interviewed in my whole 20-year career. So as soon as I got home, I started volunteering to helping produce um, different uh, Asian and Filipino festivals. I started producing uh, Heritage Nights, like LA Clippers, Filipino Night, Korean Night, Chinese Night with the Clippers, um, as as Ross Marketing, Mm -hmm. until I I went to go speak for a company called ABS-CBN, which I work for now. And ABS-CBN is basically the Disney of the Philippines. So they had 11,000 employees. They owned movie studios, TV networks, radio stations, record labels, et cetera. And they asked me to speak at their event called TFCU Talks, which is a similar to a TED Talk, but mm-hmm. for our community at the colleges. And during that talk, I started learning of what ABS-CBN is and um, what it did for the Filipino community worldwide. They ran the Filipino channel, which is over 4 million subscribers worldwide. And when I went to go speak at Google with another person that was on the, that trip with me, the, the, the folks at ABS-CBN asked if I could meet with them. And they told me what their plan was to hope to internationalize their music, their their content, their events, et cetera, mm-hmm. and asked if I would join as a consultant. And so under Roz Marketing, they were my they're one of my clients. And eventually they said, we don't want you to work on anything else. <laughs> We'd love if you could just run, you know, be the global head of music and our mix platform, which is a TV network and a radio station, mostly for the second gen multicultural um, Filipinos, similar to a BET, it's created by Filipino creators as well as artists, but it's for the rest of the world to consume. Um, and that was about a year ago. And I, I said, yes, and now I'm a part of, a part of ABS-CBN. And it, wow. it, it has its new challenges, um, but it brings back that purpose and, and that mission. And, and so now my, my plan is, is visibility with credibility mm-hmm. yeah. for all of us, you yeah. know, um, and I, I know for some that, that it, it's it's different, you know, it, it's um, it's it, it's something that I'm not familiar with because, you know, I don't speak the language, you know, I'm very different in that sense. Everybody at my company speaks Tagalog and I come from the mainstream side. And so they're looking to to, to be more mainstream, but having to to merge the two has has, has been mm-hmm. uh, has been a, a new challenge. But it's what I'm working on and it, it's what's mm-hmm. going to happen, you know. Just this year alone, you saw Nicole Scherzinger. She was in a See All Emmys commercial with um, Billy Porter and Lin-Manuel Miranda. We worked with the TW and Company and ANA AIM during the Emmys for that to be on. You know, our artist Inigo Pascual was in Joe Coy's new Netflix special. Our artist Kiana V released songs with 88 Rising, and now we're working mm-hmm. on multiple projects together. Um, and 88 Rising launched Paradise Rising, which is an all-Filipino talent label. So... I, I, I'm creating this for, 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 for the younger versions of us out there, you know, that, so yeah. they don't have to be the lawyer first and go yeah. to UCI and <laughs> like go through that, but they can see themselves and be like, no mom, <laughs> yeah. rising is doing it. And they're all from diamond bars. So I'm going to be in music. I didn't have that. I was like, I don't know anybody in music, but I just want to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So Rosalind, what advice would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? This can be just in general or in entertainment as well. Uh, for an aspiring entrepreneur, what advice would I give? I'm trying to think of myself when I was younger. Um, there, there's a couple of things. Number one, of course, uh, I always say it, but Martin Luther King said, you don't, you don't have to see the entire staircase, just take the first step. So when you're young, you don't really know what you like. You kind of like music. You kind of like art. Just do something, you know, like if you like, if you think you want to be a dentist, volunteer that summer and work in the dentist's office because you might hate it, you know? <laughs> so number one, take the first step. And to find out what you what you really love and what you're passionate about. Don't think about anybody else. But we, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what would you love love doing? And number two, um, don't be afraid to take credit for your work and, and archive your success. Mm -hmm. um, these interviews make me uncomfortable because I was usually the person interviewing. I was like, why does anyone care what a four eleven Filipino from Walnut? has to say, right? Um, and why should I be interviewed? But I realized by telling my story, there's so many others that, that feel that way and, and just, and, and, and are excited to, to learn about this. The people that go to Mount Sac or, or came from the JC system to Cal State, like they, there's, there's this whole like fairy tale that's, that's, that's normalized and saying, no, I came, I came from Fullerton, you know, and I worked in the music industry and I went to the Grammys. So it's like, I, I think I think that is is just also just just trusting what what you um, what you want to do and and believing yourself archiving it and 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 um, having it on a website on a YouTube wherever you can because that's your resume you know your yeah. social media is your resume and that's what's going to get you the next job it's the it's the uh, in college for young entrepreneurs still in college I would say. Um, don't focus just on the classes. Again, no one's taking attendance. Focus on all the other stuff outside of college, the people that you need to meet within the industry, the internships that'll get you the experience because thousands of people graduate every year. And what differentiates yourself are those relationships and that experience. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting another few years working on that, right? Um, and then for, for new entrepreneurs um, that actually have you know, a product and that they're, they're selling and stuff like that is really, um, knowing, knowing the why, you know, we live in an age again, where we don't care about the Gucci bag or the Lamborghini. It's like, we, we care about the why, like, what is your brand doing to help the rest of the world survive the pandemic right now? Um, and live a life that is content and full. And that's why I'd say start with the why for, for the, the, the established preneurs, uh, for the, the early on college and high school is start with the experience and the relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that advice a lot. Mm -hmm. I wish I was listening to this podcast when I was much younger age. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Yeah. I love it too. I think a lot of people, um, they realize that they can make an impact, but it's time to kind of figure out like, how can we use our impact for good? Yeah. So I love that advice. We're also you. in an age where, you know, your company is just not a company anymore. It's mm -hmm. a brand. It's how are you helping other people? And you nailed it, you know? <gasps> oh, that's one thing I forgot to tell you. Okay. <laughs> when you first start out, cause, cause for me, I was like, Oh, I need to work for this music company. I need to be this VJ. And that's when I've succeeded. Right. Uh -huh. And then I worked for MySpace for 10 years and then it became my identity. I was that, uh -huh. you know, that short girl from MySpace. Like, 
but these they don't let these companies or these these job titles like define you mm-hmm. Because yeah. what I've seen in the music industry, and it's sad because you have some of the top booking agents now, right, that are making millions of dollars. There's no concerts. There's no Coachella. Mm-hmm. So they're not making any money. But now they're not getting any phone calls from these so-called friends, right? Mm-hmm. And because they were attached to these companies, they were attached to these titles. You have to know who you are and your value to, to mm-hmm. the people around you first. Mm-hmm. And so you can walk in and out of companies anytime, you won't be attached to that. And if you get laid off or if you get like, um, or someone gets hired or this or that, it's like, no, you know your value that you bring into the company. If the company is of no value, you walk yourself out of that. Sometimes we feel so attached to these titles or to these right. companies, or if we don't get the right title, we don't get the company, we get depressed. But mm-hmm. build yourself up to to be that self-sustaining business and you'll, you'll have confidence in wherever you go because you'll know your value. You know, you're like, I am Asian Hustle Network, and I know what I bring to the table. What do you have to bring to our table? I have thousands of people that we influence, you know? So I think I think that's still, I, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that, like, in my 10 years. Because it took me, you know, probably a good year and a half before I got the confidence to be like, okay, I, I could leave this company. It doesn't depend mm-hmm. on me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love love it. Thank you so much for that advice, Rosalyn. Well, it was amazing hearing your story and it was such an honor to, you know, learn more about you. Um, Yeah. How can our listeners learn more about you online and where where can they contact you? All of my social media is the same. It's Rosalyn C, Mm R-O-S-L-Y-N-N-C, except for Twitter. There's no C. Um, It's just Rosalyn. Um, and then rosalyncd.com is, is my, uh, my website. The platform that we just launched is called Mix, M-Y-X. Uh, it's a global TV network, radio station, and 20 million homes. We're on the Dash radio platform. We have lots of great music coming out. Um, and we feature everybody. You know, it, it's, it's, I can't wait for our movies and our film and for our events to, to come. We're going to do some digitally to start. Um, but we'll start, you know doing more and more events. Um, and Asia Rising, they have their, their, their event on Tuesday where uh, one of our artists will be performing. But that's it. You can find us at mix.global, M-Y-X dot G-L-O-B-A-E-L. And hopefully you see us more. You'll, you'll continue to see our visibility um, in the mainstream with all of us working together. And that's just going to encourage hopefully more to then speak out on their own passions and purpose. And I hope to be the Debbie of, of somebody <laughs> in their lives. Um, and that's what I'll continue to do. But awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Really appreciate it. We'll leave all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Roslyn. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.